Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ, culture, and the church. Hello, this is Aaron Mansfield, and today I'm joined here in the studio with my co-host Morgan McClure. Hey, everyone. And Stephen Vaughn. Hi. And today we're... Well, that was pretty abrupt. <laughs> hey, today we're continuing season two, where we're having a conversation about what is the church. And this is our second of our two-part episode where we're discussing the nature of the church. So join us for the complete discussion ahead. guys so we're just going to pick up right where we left off last time and we were talking about what is the church and uh, we were talking about there's there is a distinction uh, in people's minds and even in scripture when we talk about what is a church versus what is the church and you know as we think about we spent a lot of time on our last episode describing the church and so if somebody um, hasn't listened to really the first part of the episode you really need to go back and just stop right here and go back and listen to part one of the nature of the church so that you get a more fuller understanding of what it is we're going to be talking about today but just as a little bit of a refresher, um, what what do we mean and when we talk about the church? As we spent a lot of time last time, Stephen. What, how yeah, would you so describe we that? were really we were really hitting on the idea that there is a invisible body of Christ, meaning that throughout time, location, and all of those things, there has been a people of God who have placed their faith in Christ Jesus to renew them and to make them whole and to save their souls. And so there's this idea that the bride of Christ and the body of Christ is both timeless and in time, right? And Mm -hmm. so there is this invisible nature to the church of time and location of there has been saints of old, right? And so we read about those saints in scripture. Well, they were a part of the body of Christ, right? They were a part of the bride of Christ. They will be in eternity with us and when we are with the Lord. But there's also this um, visible nature. And I think that that's where we're going today is that the visible um, flows out of this one body and it flows into a local sense where you can see and be a part of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we're going to take some time now just to look at uh, that local expression of the body of Christ. And as we do that, let's kind of begin by kind of asking this question. And what is the local church? You know, we talked about what is the church, and we spent a lot of time talking about that. But what is the local church? I mean, the local church is the specific geographical gatherings of in the, uh, this is really more of the institution kind of aspect of the church, because it's where it's specific to people in certain places in a specific time, you know, meaning it's not that timeless big picture. It's very specific. You can go literally and meet with these people. Yeah. I think in uh, the Bible, I think it's very evident when you're reading through the New Testament specifically, the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at, and you just, the church at Thessalonica, right? And you Mm -hmm. keep reading through Paul's letters and he is not writing to specifically the whole church throughout all time. He's not writing to specifically to the whole church. He's writing to that church. Now, was it inspired scripture and does it, is it relevant to the whole church today? Yes. Yes. 
but he was writing that letter specifically at a specific point in time to a specific specific location specific location <laughs> to a specific location for specific people that's right and that's the local visible church yeah yeah because we we talked about it in the last episode first corinthians 1 mm-hmm. verse 2 paul here's an example he writes to the church of god that is in corinth mm-hmm. right this is that local visible expression of the body of christ to those who are sanctified in christ jesus and then he also makes this statement called upon to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And so if we spend a little bit of time here, I think we need to talk about the meaning of membership, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we think about a local body of Christ, probably one of the first things that comes to people's minds is uniting with that local body, uh, coming together, becoming a part of that local body. So when we think about membership, you know, membership's a scary word for people in general, I mm-hmm. think. Um, well, people don't want to be members of anything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. especially in our day to day. Well, I there's mean, a connotation that it has from, so there's a couple of different reasons there, right? I think that there's two really big reasons. One reason why membership is scary is because there's connotations of what a member is. It just implies commitment. Uh-huh. Well, in the word. It implies commitment, but there's also been negative right. aspects of membership. Yeah. I've seen it in my lifetime. Um, negative aspects of what it means to be a member. So that means that you're going to be a part of this like little club mm-hmm. and there's going to be like these little committee meetings and you're going to get to determine everything that happens and there's going to be a lot of fighting. And so there is some negative things to what the word member carries. And that's one extreme. But then the other extreme is I don't want to do anything and membership means that I have responsibility in something. Mm-hmm. And so there's two extremes here and I think both are wrong and not what true church membership of the body, the local body of Christ is. Yeah, I think there's a great misunderstanding in the church today of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Yeah. I, I think I think in many people's minds they have an idea of of, of joining a gym. Yeah. And just like they <laughs> would have, have like, gym uh, this gym membership, you know, and pay and, my 40 bucks and, and I get free well, access. Uh-huh. It, it becomes so consumer driven. Yeah. It becomes so um, individualism, you know, it yeah. becomes this. Uh, and, and I think there's another aspect of it where people like you were talking about, they just they don't want to be a part of the commitment of whatever that would mean. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, you know, I, I don't want to be a part of, of that. I mean, if you were to think about our society today, why do you think our society is leery of commitment in general? Hmm, I think because we have, it, it's almost like a a short attention span, but it's like a short action span of things that we want to participate in. You know, you want to you want to do it on your terms, and you just it's like joining something like. I don't know, like a gym membership, you get, you, you have, you're really excited about it for a month and then you don't use it anymore, but then there's still this pressure because you're still paying for it. (laughs) You know, like, and it's this thing with the church. It's like, like, oh, well, I, I, what if I don't like the people there? And what if they try to make me serve or, or do something that, that kind of disrupts my lifestyle? You know, we're just kind of very, we've got that free spirit mentality, you know, it's just kind of doing what's right in the moment. Mm. Yeah. I think there's, for me, there's three reasons why I'm leery of commitment if I ever am. I either don't have the time legitimately, and so I don't have the time. I'm lazy, so I just don't want to do it. Or um, there's been previous commitments that have fallen through and that I've just had a bad taste in my mouth from being committed to something or someone, and thus I've been hurt by it. And generally those three things for me are the three reasons why I don't do something. And so I think in a sense you can take some of those reasons and apply it to being a member of a church where people – they think that they don't have the time, right? And so they're not willing to make the time is what that means. 
or they just don't want to do it <laughs> or they've been hurt and they don't want to commit to something again. And so they use yeah. those, one of those three reasons as a, uh, almost an excuse to say, you know what, I don't have to do this because of this. Mm-hmm. but they don't take into account scripture. Yeah, but I think even with your three examples, all three of them are highly consumer driven. They are. Right. They it's, are. It's, it's all, all about, about me. me. Mm-hmm. It's yep. all about me. Well, it's all an, about And another thing just culturally like church is not historically not been something you're a part of, but it's rather something you do. And now people just yeah, don't have time a, for church mm, anymore, so mm-hmm. they they're not a part of it. Yeah, I think even in our society today there's been this aspect of I go to church. Uh-huh. And so church has become something that I consume rather than being a participant of and seeing Sunday. I think for many people they view Sunday as, as like kind of the culmination <laughs> yeah. of what it means to be in the body of Christ when in actually in actual fact, you know, Sunday's to be a place of formation. It's to be a mm-hmm. place of of equipping, of preparation, of of worship, yes, together mm-hmm. with God's people, but to be sent out mm-hmm. uh, into our communities and into the launch pad uh, instead of the landing. Pool. It well, is. There's a very different way of viewing that, and I love what Morgan said about the version, the verse, the difference between doing and being, and it's this idea of like you don't do church on Sunday and Wednesday. And then just do your own life. We have a problem with compartmentalizing. And we're mm-hmm. like, it's like in my church life, my regular life. No, as a Christian, your church life is your life because the Christian life is your life. And so what it means well, to be a Christian you're, yeah. is you're a part of the church. That's you are good. being the church. And so the church is people, not things or a building. That's right. Yeah. And so we can take that and go into what we're going to talk about here and talk about, okay, in the New Testament, uh, those local visible expressions of the body of Christ uh, were visible things that that that. So what we're talking about is people uniting with and committing themselves to a local expression in the body of Christ, and you see that mm-hmm. throughout different places. We can see it in the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus. Uh, you can see it in in different places where there was a very localized, a uh, visible representation of the body of Christ, and that there were responsibilities that people who were a part of those congregations. Had And so, you know, I think the difference between an attender of a church and a member of a church can really be summed up in one word, and that's the word commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, church membership is not something that we just go and we check a box for. I think there's a lot of people that feel that, you know, church membership is an expression of loyalty to their parents. And so wherever their parents Mm -hmm. were members, that's where I'll be a member. Or it's this, um, it's this, this sentimental feeling like what you were talking about. It's like people in this urge of fervor and excitement. They're like, Oh, I'm going to join the church, but they may not really understand that what it means to be a part of the body of Christ locally and visibly is simply a reflection of a living commitment. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's a living commitment first and foremost to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our commitment to Christ is reflected through our life in the way that we give, in the way that we serve, in the way that we edify one another. And as we do all of this in Christ church, we do it through this, really this mutual ministry of involvement. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 10. I I think if we could look at Hebrews uh, 10 for just a moment, this becomes a, a really helpful passage to, to set the stage here. In Hebrews 10... Uh, verse 24, and then verse 25. Notice what he says. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So even as we think about that passage for a minute, what is that communicating to us about what it means to be a part of the visible body of Christ? That you have to be together. You gotta be there. <laughs> you <gotta laughs> you be there. have to be there, right? I mean, it's taking that mm-hmm. uh, for granted by what it talks about. Hey, consider to stir up to one another, right? Don't mm-hmm. don't neglect to meet together. Yeah. What else is it kind of communicating? Well, and it's not just being there and then being being absent, being absent. You know, there. being right. presently absent. You know, <laughs> so because it says consider how to stir up one another in love and good works. And in order to do that, it, it, you're communicating with people, you're encouraging people, you're, you're doing these good works so that you can stir up one another to replicate and even further those good works. I think it also, it, it brings out the nature that how the church works together. We often think of, you know, well, the church is where I'm going to um, go and grow spiritually, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go and do like everything else here. But this, these verses really communicate that there's both a physical and spiritual edification happening right. at church. Yeah. And that church is not just one or the other. And while it might primarily be more about your spiritual life and how you are with the Lord, there is a physical aspect of that. And so like using those kind of terms, what do you see as like the difference between like the physical ministry and the spiritual ministry to one another as the local body of Christ? Clarify that for me, what you're saying. So like, so like, is there, is church just about going and building your relationship with God or is there not also a physical relational building with others that happens and a ministry that happens on a physical level as well as a spiritual relationship with God? Yes and yes. Yes. And so yes. I guess, uh, here's, here's, here's how I would kind of uh, define that. I, I think for one, there has been a very big misunderstanding about why we gather as the mm-hmm. church, even in how we use our vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people say, I attended church or I went to church, mm-hmm. whereas actually we should probably say, I gathered with the church and I was a part of church, right? Because it's, it is something, once again, it's going back to that word ecclesia, it's this called out assembly mm-hmm. and they're given a specific task, a responsibility. And so, yes, there is corporate worship that takes place within the body of Christ. And as we come together and as we all are under the tutelage of God's Word and the teaching of God's Word, we bring ourselves under the authority of God's Word because He is the head. And so as we as we think about that, yes, there is this mutual corporate worship time of prayer and praise, and we're going to get into that probably in future episodes of just kind of what is worship within the church. <clears throat> But if I would just say up front that, yes, that is important, but once again, I think the local body of Christ and the services that take place there are formative times. Mm-hmm. They're formation times. Uh, they're, 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 they're moments that shape us. And, and you know, it, it is not a replacement for our own relationship with Christ. I mean, I think Paul would affirm that throughout a number of different places, talking about that you're in Christ, you know? And there's a responsibility that every one of us in Christ have before the master. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a responsibility before him. And and that that is first and foremost. And I think I think maybe in our day of action and doing, we've so emphasized the activity within the body of Christ that we've neglected 
and people have forgotten that it's first and foremost about being somebody. Right. Yeah. You know, it, and that, you know, can we talk about that for just yeah. a moment? Because there's a vast difference between doing and being in the body of Christ. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I would highly agree. Um, it, it almost is this idea of like, if we check off this list of stuff, then we got it. And that's not the point. The point is that you are being a Christian, Mm -hmm. your fellow members are being Christians and you are being Christians together. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's these attitudes that are worked out. And so you're not just going to church. You are being a gathering together of people and you're being honest with one another. You're, you're being these things and then you build each other up by Mm -hmm. what you're being. Right. And you're, the question is like, well, how do I be that? Well, it's obviously through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? right? And the life of Christ in you. I mean, Galatians 5, Romans 6. Yes, but there is still this responsibility of being. Mm-hmm. And being by yourself <laughs> is only going to do so much. You're supposed to be with others, right? Yeah. That's right. And in being with them, you will grow together into the church that God has called you to be, this local visible church, this local visible family. Mm-hmm. And this aspect of doing um, can... It's important because, you know, we, as the church, we do good works. But I was reading um, in My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Um, he he has this uh, one devotion that talks about, you know, being truly his instead of just doing things for him. You know, so when it, we have to grow in being in Christ in that individual aspect so that when we come together, as you know a gathering of the church on a sunday or wednesday like that is not the object or the end the be all end all of the church is to come together to gather and worship like that's like what i said earlier it's should be a launching pad instead of the landing point you know because that's when we are gathered together we're worshiping then we are sent out from there to continue to grow in ourselves but then that's also where the mission continues. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just like the, po- it's not just the point to go to church, you know? And yeah. it's so, it's become so culturally ingrained in us that, oh yeah, yeah, I go to church. Yeah. Big deal. So, so can I, but can we just take this a step further and then yeah. just say this? Okay. So if we're, if we are united in Christ and we are in Christ and we're part of the family of God, right? If we have a relationship with Christ and we're committed to Christ, then by nature, we will be committed to his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will be committed to his body. Uh, you know, we some there's so many today that are trying to make a distinction between being a part of Christ and not being a part of his family. Right. And you can't because it's his spirit that's going to unite us with others. And that's the thing. It's not just something out of our own volition where we'll be like, okay, like I am choosing to be a part of this. It's like, well, when you are in Christ, he has made you part of that. You're, whether you like whether the you like members in the family or not, yeah. they are part of the family. Yeah. Right? And it goes back to that aspect of, hey, we need the body of Christ and we need the local church. I, I think here's the thing. You look in scripture and you do not find any instance of somebody who is a part of the body of Christ and is not a visible part of the local church. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Yeah. I mean, go find a chapter and verse. I, I've never found one. It's, it, every, every time you see a disciple in the New Testament, they're associated with a body. They're associated with a church. You see Paul and Barnabas, and there is, they're sent out of the church in Antioch, right? You mm-hmm. see uh, expressions of the church in, Cor- in Corinth and what they're to do as a body of membership. We see all of these different times, even in, even in Acts. I think Acts 15 
is a helpful place. And we'll go here later at the end of the episode. But to see that the simply, even in the Jerusalem Council, you had representatives of local assemblies, the elders of those assemblies coming together to understand right doctrine for the church. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's this emphasis of a local church. And when we unite with a local church, we're saying a few things. One thing I think we're saying is that I don't exist in a relationship with God by myself. Yeah. Which I think is important because like in our last episode, um, Morgan, you used the negative illustration of how tribalism and church can separate out churches, right? Mm-hmm. But would you not say that there is a positive family family aspect to church? And what does that oh, yeah, look like? What does sure. that belonging look like? Well, it's... It, the it's funny because um, the belonging factor is huge when it comes to being a, a part of the local church. And really, when you look at it, even from a, the secular world recognizes this with um, the study of like our needs, Maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. of needs, belonging is in the third tier of that, you know, and finding that, that family where you belong. And for us, it's not just some secularly, it's not just a psychological thing. It is truly because the Lord has united us and he has made us family. And it's not because we are all from the same background or the same age group or the same, you know, socioeconomic status. It's literally people from all different types united in Christ. And I think that's what's so distinctive about the church in the book of Acts, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's so vivid about the church is you begin to see all these people who are now coming to Christ and they're the most unlikely of people. You know, it's not just Jews, but now Mm -hmm. it's Gentiles Mm -hmm. and there's not just men, but there's women and there's, Mm -hmm. there's, um, people of different social standings, mm-hmm. you know, you which see. wouldn't have happened because there was lots of stigma yes. between classes, you know, it, there still is today. Come sure. On. But there's this commonality of community in the body of Christ. And what we're saying, why the local church, why membership is so important is because what we're saying is I need other people in my life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to help point me to the truthfulness of God. Yeah. I need other people in the body of Christ to fulfill those one another commands because you cannot one another yourself, mm-hmm. right? No. <laughs> I mean, you have to have other people uh, in the body of Christ and there's this mutual uh, relationship with them. So yeah. go ahead, Stephen, what were yeah. you saying? So I think we've talked about like belonging, yeah, but belonging is necessity and you kind of just hit on it. Belonging ne- necessitates accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. So how does accountability and belonging work together in membership? of a local church and a local body. Yeah. So I think when we, you know, once again, like when we think about what does membership mean, what does this uniting with a local body entail? Well, there is a personal reason, right? And that's because of it produces spiritual growth in our own life. Uh, we can look at Ephesians. There's a few of these. Let, let's just look at Ephesians 4, mm-hmm. uh, verse 16. And we were in Ephesians 4 last episode, but we didn't go all the way down to verse 16. You know, he's, he's talking there in Ephesians 4 about this unified body of Christ, and this is a unity that has been created for us in Christ. But notice in verse uh, 16, notice what he says. He, Paul writes, he says, "...from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, notice, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up." In love. I mean, what is he saying there? What does that mean? I mean, he, he's basically, he's referencing the previous five verses about how there's been different gifts of offices to the local church and why what's for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And he's really emphasizing here, like these offices require 
um, people, men who are saints, right? But as saints, everyone is doing the work of the ministry, but saints are to be equipped. Mm -hmm. And when this is happening, when the body is working unified and intentionally together as it should, what happens is it literally will build itself up. It builds itself up. It It grows. It's a self-sustaining model of growth. And obviously it's through the power of Christ, but this is his model Mm -hmm. that the local visible body would build one another up when it's working properly. And if God's purpose, I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you, go ahead. I was just going to say, and held together, like Mm -hmm. when we are together, that's where the growth Belonging. (laughs) So if God's purpose for our life as Christians is to be transformed into the image of his son, that that part of that transformational process is, is, is what Ephesians is saying. We need one another. Mm-hmm. We need one another to be built up. And so there's really just a really personal reason. I mean, why do we need the local church? Why do we come under this visible assembly? Why? Well, because we need the edification that one another in the body of Christ brings. And I would also say with that is uh, a responsibility to be under the teaching of God's Word, mm-hmm. right? So part of you know, think about it this way for a moment, and let's just take an example in Scripture. Uh, we could look at, you know, the church in Jerusalem, right, which many people believe that uh, James, uh, the half-brother of Christ, was the pastor there at the church in Jerusalem. Well, those who were a part of that church were coming under the leadership of that local church, of that group of elders. You see Paul in Acts, when he addresses, once again, the elders of those churches, he's charging them with responsibility to shepherd the flock of God, to lead the flock of God. And so each one of those elders of those visible local churches had people who were recognized a part of that church. They knew who they were accountable for. I mean, when, when, when the Bible tells us in Hebrews 10 uh, that he, and to be subject, let's look at that passage. I, I just I don't want to misquote it. I, um, to be subject to the authorities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's go back about? to Hebrews 10. You were talking, Hebrews 10 is the one that we referenced earlier it's, it's about Hebrews. gathering together. You're talking about back in the middle of Hebrews when it talks about how we are to be subject to the authorities that have been set over us. And in that context, he's literally talking to the church itself there. It's Hebrews, Hebrews 13. Yeah. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Sorry, end of Hebrews, not middle Yeah, so here, here, once again, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Mm-hmm. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. And then he says, pray for us that we would be, that we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you this sooner. And so what Paul is actually saying there, that there's these visible leaders, right, within a body, a local body, that are giving an account for the people in that congregation. And those leaders know who those people are, right? And so, you know, you can look at you can look at different passages in scripture, but according to the New Testament, I mean Christians can't follow some basic commands without this type of meaningful membership, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the most uh, one of the most straightforward examples, going back to what you're saying, Stephen, about accountability, is church discipline. There's a passages of, of in Scripture in Matthew 18, in 1 Corinthians 5, and in 2 Corinthians 2 that are all referring to how a local church mm-hmm. should exercise discipline 
in the body of Christ, right? Because in Matthew 18, he, God, Jesus, Jesus calls the church to do this, mm-hmm. right? He says, and if they do not repent, you tell it to the church. Well, who are you, who are you telling that to? Are you telling that to the global universal church of all the ages? No, Jesus is recognizing this local group of people. In 1 Corinthians 5, you see Paul following Christ's teaching, and as he tells the church in Corinth to remove an unrepentant uh, sinner from their midst, right? You remember that, right? Mm-hmm. And so how, how is the church in Corinth to remove somebody if there's no meaningful membership of what that means, right? right? And then even in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, you know, Paul refers to the punishment that that person had been inflicted with because they were a strained member from that congregation, right? So I think, I think the question has to be asked is, is if we think about membership, yes, membership implies commitment, but it also implies this responsibility mm-hmm. that we have to one another, to the Lord, uh, and, and to those who are under shepherds uh, of that congregation. Yeah, so I, I think here's where we kind of start um, segueing into this idea then of what is exactly meant when we're talking about becoming a member then? Like, how does that work? Like, do you just walk in and be like, yo, I want to be a member? Um, like, how does that work? <laughs> in those exact how do, terms, how yo. <laughs> does How does someone come from trusting in Christ to becoming a member of a local body? Because I think that that's an important question to ask here. Morgan, how would you say... What's the meaning of membership in that sense? Well, yeah, it's the way, you know, in in church history that it's in in my personal experience, becoming a member, you are baptized after you've come to faith relatively immediately. And the church that you were baptized in, the the body of Christ that witnessed your baptism is now your church. Your accountability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think... I think you see that happening in the early church, right? Mm-hmm. You see people being saved, being baptized, and they're added into the church, mm-hmm. but they're also added in their particular location right. mm-hmm. of where they were. You know, I think we've come so far away from really the New Testament understanding about the responsibility of a local church that now we just see the mess mm-hmm. yeah. that the church is in. I, you know, I'm you know go back to Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. If you were a, a if you were in Christ, if you were a born-again, saved individual in Corinth, you went to the church where? In Corinth. That was your church. Mm-hmm. Those, those in authority, those were the leaders. There, there was a recognized body. And, and, if, and, if, and if notice Paul, as he writes to the church in Corinth for the church to remove that person, I mean, that was a specific charge to a specific group of people, and they knew the responsibility that they had. And the thing is, you just didn't pack up your bags and say, oh, I'm walking down to Second Baptist Church mm-hmm. in Corinth, Corinth right? <laughs> I mean... But why, why right. was that? So I think that that's okay. a good point. About, yeah. But why was that? They were baptized into the church, yes. But why was it that they didn't do that? Well, they had to have some type of binding together. And I I mean, we would use terms today like constitution or covenant of the church, right? But there had to be something in place that they had committed to, to one another that kept them together. And I think many times today we, we talk about, or maybe, maybe you've never heard of it and you're listening to this podcast, but like church covenants, right? Mm -hmm. Why is that a thing? Like, why is that a thing? Well, isn't it because we are making a covenant to each other of how we are going to 
live together as the church and be the church? Yeah, I think churches that have uh, covenants, which would be many uh, non-denominational or Protestant congregations, Mm -hmm. right, um, would do so because that, like you, you just said it. It's a, it's a visible. Uh, commitment of how we're to live together in unity, in community, right? And so, you know, once again, I think I think the pushback against those who would push back strongly against uh, the responsibility of the local church, I think going back to our previous episode, have 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 been lopsided in how they view both of those things. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot view the church of God as only universal. And neither can you view it only as local. These mm-hmm. these things work together, and the local expression is the overflow of that mm-hmm. universal church. And so what it means, though, is that you're exactly right, Stephen. We're committing ourselves to follow Christ. I mean, it's, a, it's an expression of committing to Christ, but then it's a visible, I guess a church covenant is simply a, a visible representation of how those people will live together in community, mm-hmm. right? And so let's, can I go back though for a moment from this? Because I think as we talk about uniting with a local church, one thing that we didn't say that we need to talk about is that there's this aspect of gifts within the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right, Morgan? I yeah. mean, why is that so important? Well, and he talks about it in, in you know, referencing back to Ephesians or uh, maybe that's not It is, is in Ephesians. Ephesians yeah. and in 1 Corinthians 12, yep. when he talks about the gifts given to the body so that we can together, you know, there are different gifts so that in order together, they all complement one another and they are all for edifying and building up one another. Right. You know, um, was that your, <laughs> sorry, was that your question, the answer to your question? Yeah, I just think, you know, g- gifts in the body of Christ are important. I mean, yeah. they, um, because why? I mean, because... Well, there's different members, yeah. different members. Right. Literally, Paul's right. going to say over, I believe it's in the book of Romans. He's like, different members are there for different reasons. For different functions. And so... You can't all be an you eye can't, yeah, or you an can't, ear. You can't all be hands. a toe. You all can't be this. But there's gifts for different reasons. And you have a part. You have a you have a reason, if you want to think of it that way, a function in the body. You have a purpose. And your purpose is to fulfill your gifts of what God's given to you. So let's, let's ask us the practical question then. If, if you're not there... <laughs> If you're not there, then what's happening? Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's a lack of function. There's, something's there's missing. Something's missing. dysfunctioning. Something's missing, right? And uh, sometimes you can be there, but not there. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so if you're there and not there, they're still missing. And so it's mm-hmm. like you have to be there, but you also have to belong there. And you have mm-hmm. to right. be willing to become a part of the family, right? I think of it in senses like sometimes, you know, you'll go over to like, um, another family's house for dinner. I don't know if y'all did this growing up, but mm-hmm. like you're over at somebody's house and like there's that you can be be at dinner and you can be a part of dinner. You know what I'm sure. saying? Yeah. And I think it's being a part of the church and it's not just coming to a service. No, you're committing yourself to the church, the local visible body, wherever that is for you as a listener. And you're committing yourself to that body and you are becoming a part of that church. Mm-hmm. You are you are being with the that point church. Is so let me really ask you a question. Like it's not optional. <laughs> like so much of our so much of our culture is like uh, all these blanks. Yeah, these blanks are optional. This this blank is not optional. So you have a local church. You know, so let me follow up off that question. Then the question I was gonna ask is local membership required for salvation? So the term required is a tough, tough word to use because requirement means that it must happen in order for A, B to happen, which I would push back and say no for that mm-hmm. because 
the Bible is very clear that for B, for salvation to happen, Mm -hmm. there's only a few things that are actually like required, if you want to say. Will it happen though? And should it happen because of B? Yes. So should salvation produce local church membership? I think that there's no way to get around getting that in, out of scripture. I you mean, have I think to be you able look to in the New Testament, that. the New Testament assumes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it assumes it that if happen. you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, it you will. are being baptized mm-hmm. not only into Christ, but you're being baptized into that local uh, visible expression right. of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And with that, you have uh, absorbed the responsibility, first, the commitment of what it means to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you know, membership is simply a meaningful, reflective commitment. Right. So mm-hmm. if I'm committed to Christ, then that commitment will be seen mm-hmm. in my life through the overflow mm-hmm. of being, of, of, of giving, of serving, of involvement, of, of accountability, of, of seeing myself necessarily needing to be under the yeah. authority of Scripture. Well, and, and now that you have become part of the flock, you're not going to go and live off in isolation. Right. You know, yeah. referencing back to our church right. motifs, as a part of the flock, you are now committed to following yeah. your shepherd, and right. you follow it with others. And also clarifying, too, it depends on what you meant by salvation, that question, too. Right. Are you talking about justification well, or sanctification? Because for sanctification... Membership is required. Sure, <laughs> like but, for sanctification, it is. For you, justification, though, that's kind of where I was honing in on was for justification. I think justification will produce mm-hmm. sanctification and, and it will produce I'm that. Sh- I'm sure this will come up in our discussion yeah. on baptism. But I mean, it, it, it goes back to what the New Testament just assumes that when mm-hmm. a person gets saved, they'll be baptized. It will happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that in the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Be saved and be baptized. It will and, and then, it should. And then you see Paul writing to those saved, baptized people who mm-hmm. are part of local, visible expressions of faith. And and they're charged with responsibilities to serve one another. They are there to um, to to worship with one another, to edify one another, and to be held accountable to one another. We see that in in, in aspects of church discipline and aspects of of responsibility, and and also um, uh, uh, to to submit to the local um, um, to, to look at the local church. And once again, going back to all of these images, right, that Jesus uses for the church, one of them is the flock of God. Well, you see Peter writing uh, in First Peter, uh, in Second Peter, First Peter, uh, to to elders, to shepherds. He says, "Shepherd the flock of God that is among you," right. So there's a there's an aspect of responsibility uh, that those shepherds have. Yeah, so for a group of sheep, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which brings us to this point as we kind of start to wind down here. We're going to start. Start the descent into the airport, right? (laughs) Um, But as we begin to do that, we've talked about the invisible church, right? So this, the flock of God or the bride of God. But is there not also a visible autonomy of the local flock of God as well? (laughs) Meaning, is there not a, uh, is what goes for all the flock of God, what goes for each local body, or is there not a sense of autonomy in the local visible flock of God in this locale. So basically, yeah. so first, what we're asking is, yeah. with the I'll use the Catholic Church as an example, right? Right. They would say because it is the holy, universal Catholic Church, then what goes for this one place goes for everywhere, and it is decreed from up here. Is Within that how is that how that works? Or are we saying that, yes, there is an invisible church, but there are also local churches who operate under the headship of Christ? Yeah, so first, 
define for us what you mean by autonomy. Yeah, so, that, so, so that might be a new term. So by people. autonomous, meaning that they are set apart and that they are individual in their relation to God, but they also can relate to each other. But as far as who is over them, who who is the head of them, what's well, Christ? Yeah. And Christ sets up under shepherds, mm-hmm. overseers in his church to lead the church and meaning autonomous as they are operating under God in one way, instead of relating to a church board who controls everything they do, they are autonomous. They're set apart. Yeah. That's a loaded question. But I think what I would, I think here's what I would just simply say, and then maybe we would take more time for this on a future episode. I think the question we ask is how did we get here today? Mm -hmm. Right? Because as you look out, um, in broad stream evangelicalism, as you look out across, you know, the church uh, around the world today, what do you see, Morgan? I mean, I think at least in the Western world, we've we've almost gone too much on the autonomous and we've lost the unity. Bunch of lone rangers. <laughs> yeah, right. So the question I think you're asking, Stephen, is like, how did we how did we get here? Right. I mean, is that what you're saying? Is that kind of. But what I'm what I'm kind of going where Morgan's you're saying the question of the authority. I'm kind of going where Morgan's saying is to say, have we gone too far with where we're at? Because do like I'll just I'll just be kind of upfront here. I believe that the local church is autonomous under the headship of Christ well, and the overseers one, he's put one, there. One location really can't make decisions for every other individual location, people group, type of culture that happens there, you know? Yes, I think and, it, and Paul would even tell Timothy to set up leaders among these churches. And so there is this idea of separateness. But have we gone too far with that? Is there not some unity here amongst the visible and invisible? And where does it kind of delineate that? Two two things come to my mind real quick. One would be, I think there has been, um, let, let, let me go back here. And then this, let me go back to this. Going back to an autonomous church, I think first it would determine upon the structure of government that that type of church is a part of, right? So when you talk about an autonomous church, you're probably highly talking about a congregational-led type of church, whereas uh, that would be different in some circles, um, in Anglican circles, and the Roman Catholic tradition. So there would be a difference of understanding about what that term means. But I think what we need to do is back up a moment and just say, well, how did we get here? Well, Going back to the creed of, of Constantinople, the Nicene Creed, one of the things that it talked about was that a holy Catholic church. And when we talk about the word Catholic, it means universal church. But I think we need to understand, and maybe the listeners need to understand, that for, for many centuries, uh, the Catholic church was the visible representation of uh, the Roman Catholic church, visible representation of the body of Christ. And so there was this not only succession of 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 teaching, but there was even a succession in terms of their belief, the creeds that they affirmed, uh, the leadership of that church, the leadership of the Roman Catholic Church, and and so you see, I think you can go back in church history and look at you know the Great Schism, and then you can look at the Protestant Reformation, and and what came out of those things was you know kind of good and bad things. I mean. Um, you know, in one sense, the Protestant Reformation, there was this resurgence of the authority of Scripture and uh, the meaning of Scripture and, you know, doctrine and all of those things. But what came out was when, when, it, when, when, when people pulled away from the Roman Catholic Church 
and begin to constitute themselves as a local visible church, there had to be some form of doctrine, some form of orthodoxy by which they affirmed to, to be distinct. And so you see, I think, in that moment, many types of church covenants. And you do, you can go back and to see that, because there had to be some aspect of, of what, the, um, what the fence of that orthodoxy would be for a, a visible group of people. But I think with it also has been uh, maybe a negative in the sense that you, you go back in the New Testament and you see when the churches had an issue in the New Testament, how was it resolved? Well, it was resolved in Acts 15 with the elders coming there to the church in Jerusalem. And as they went through some different things that were problematic for the people of God, the elders, the leaders of those local visible churches um, helped really shape. Uh, well, it was what, an accountability thing. Sure, right. It provided accountability right. for the under-shepherds to have other under-shepherds to give them accountability. Which is, I guess, maybe the question that we need to ask is like, and maybe the question you're asking today, like, is is what we see happening in in the world today a healthy thing? You know, um, I, I know some of the pastors I've talked to, you know, they've made statements like this. They said, I know people that can go and start a church in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Well, what do they mean by that? Well, just because you call yourself a church, mm-hmm. just because you've structured yourself in a certain way, uh, doesn't mean that you're holding to a biblical doctrine or um, the, the motivation or the reason for why you did what you did was right. Right. And then I think one one thing that this splitting off due to preferences has created is this culture of like a church buffet. You know, if you don't like right. something about this one particular church, you can go a mile and a half down the road and there's your other church. And you just it's this hopping and constant moving between bodies and you're really not belonging to any one of them. No. And I, I think but that's led itself because of the consumerism of our culture and mm-hmm. the individualism of our culture. And it's like people view the church like they would view a golf club or a tennis club. Right. It's like, well, if I don't like the way they teated me, treated me mm-hmm. at this particular establishment, then I'm just packing up my bags and I'm headed yeah. on to, down to the next place. Whereas, you know, in the New Testament, you would find, where else are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where else are you going to go? Are you going gonna to jump ship to the, you know, you're going to move halfway, you know, around the world to another church? I mean, what was happening was there was a, there was a much greater accountability and responsibility, yeah. I think, in the local church than maybe what we uh, give credence to today. Two so, other local churches. Two other mm-hmm. local churches, yeah. right. And, and seen in cooperation with one another. Here's, here's one thing I want to say before we end is just think about this. That in the church today, you know, we started in Hebrews chapter 10 about stirring one another up for, uh, for, for good works and, and being a part of the church in that way. Uh, the statistic today is this, that the average church attendance in the local church is two times a month. Hmm. I would say that that would be pretty good. Two times a month. That would be pretty, pretty good, good too. That would be pretty. That would. I'm, what I mean by good is that's pretty high. I think On to the, say yeah, that that would be average. <laughs> no, you know when we first hear that, we say two times a month. We're like, oh, you went two out of four. Yeah. I mean that's 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 pretty great. But when you think about it in terms of a year, well, it's like a year, but also like six months of the life of the church, I was absent for. Well, I mean, also yeah. if you do anything else, fifty percent, you're not going to really get what you're achieving or trying to go after, right? Mm-hmm. Like any other facet of your life. Whatever it is, whether it's school, whether I mean, name one thing in your life. If you only do fifty percent of mm-hmm. it, you're not going to succeed. It's going to be no, exactly average. Right. So the question is asked: like, if we're only giving half of our time for the opportunities that are available for us in the body of Christ locally, is it any wonder that the church is where it's at today? Yeah. No. And that's if you're there and you're 
active. And that's even if you exactly right, mm-hmm. exactly right. And so, you know, I think this whole discussion, this whole topic of the nature of the church drives us back to the question. Uh, it's a personal, it's a personal question. First and foremost, am I a part of the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, have I been brought into the body of Christ? Have I been saved and justified before God? But then secondly, am I living out that commitment to the Lord in a visible, uh, reflective commitment? And and I think that's a question that every one of our listeners and those who are listening today have to, you know, kind of ask ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think as we close, it's, it's really at, it's really coming to a place in your life where you're willing to be honest enough to, to see change in your life. And so am I, am I committed to a local body? You know, people, there are different local bodies nowadays. We're not in the age of Corinth. So it is understandable that people are at different local um, aspects of the local church, right? And Roanoke, you might be in a certain church or Catawba, you might be in a certain church. Okay. The question though, that's comes back to you is, are you there? Are you belonging there? And are you being there? Or are you just there? Um, I, I would even ask, are you attending or are you actually belonging? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to maybe go to a service, but it's another thing to belong to the church and be a part of the church. Mm-hmm. And you really have to look and be honest with yourself and be willing to change and be willing to make, take that next step. Right. Yeah. Because I, the, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I mean, and if the answer to the question of, am I belonging? Am I being, if the answer is no follow up question, why, why? And, are you willing to, you know, lay down your, your mm-hmm. life to that, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to die to self in that way, you know? And I think the last thing I would just say is this, is that like, you know, we we're talking about in the first episode that, you know, understanding the distinction between the local and visible and invisible church is helpful because it, it helps free us from the burden of, of feeling like the local church has to be everything at all mm-hmm. time. But I think also we need to step back and recognize that in that understanding of the church is also great freedom. As we think about the within that river of orthodoxy, that the streams that we're a part of, that regardless of where we f- fall in line in that stream and, and how we see this flushed out, the, the responsibilities before Christ and the responsibilities for, for others are, are not changed. And so, mm-hmm. you know, a church can have a different form of government. It can have a, a different way of, of maybe articulating a, a belief. But, but I think at the base core, there has to be this recognizing of, of a true commitment to Christ and then a true mutual commitment to one another. Well, listen, we hope that this has been a help and encouragement to you uh, in the body of Christ. And uh, if you would do so, join us on our next episode as we continue exploring this topic of what is the church. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Listen, if there's anything you've heard us talk about on the show today that you'd like to know more about, we'd love to hear from you. So send us your thoughts, questions, and feedback by sending us an email at podcast at wherewelandorg If you've enjoyed listening to Where We Land, we'd encourage you to go on to Apple Podcast and rate and review what you've heard. This will be a great help to us as we get this message out to more folks. On our next episode, we'll be considering belief and biblical authority, really talking about how did we get here. So we hope that you'll look forward to joining us next time.